I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Podcarts Life is Like a Box of Records podcast. My name is Helena Rafai. Occasionally, we bring in special guests to talk about the songs that have soundtracked their lives so far. For rights reasons, music might be shorter than the original song. This week's guest is Blue Kirkhope. Blue has worked over the past five years with well-known independent record labels based in London, including Matador Records and Erased Tapes. Originally a Glasgow native, she has first-hand experience within Scotland's music scene, helping to nurture and publicise local talent. She has since returned to home soil and is communications and events executive at Scottish Music Industry Association. She is also part of the Music Declares emergency team who are campaigning to raise awareness over the lack of action surrounding climate change. Hello Blue. Hello, Helena. Welcome to Podcart. Thank you for having me. Um, So, life is like a box of records and I've asked you to pick seven songs and we've kind of changed things up and asked to pick um, a a song from a film that's relevant to you as well, which I think is going to be something really interesting going by your track list. First of all, can you please tell the ladies and gentlemen and everyone else out there who you are? Yeah, so my name is Blue Kirkcope. I'm the Communications and Events Executive at the Scottish Music Industry Association um, and we run the Scottish Album of the Year Award. You've also got extracurricular interests as well. Please tell us about those. Are you referring to my uh, stomping around in the hills? In the nature, in the nature. (laughs) Is that actually, that's not even grammatically great, is it? In the nature. Uh, I'll do yeah, so in the nature. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, what what is this? Like, well, I want to delve into that later. But I mean, it certainly uh, relates to some of my track choices as well. Yeah, um, I guess I've been walking around uh, Scotland for a few years now. Um, music definitely has a presence within that. Um, I've done all sorts of trails. On the weekends, I climb mountains sometimes. Uh, it's a big part of my life outside of music, for sure. Great. Uh, we'll be talking about that more later, along with um, you're really passionate about climate change as well. Um, uh, so you've your songs, you have picked One Vision by Queen. And I have indeed. I, I was saying this on the last podcast. I really enjoy um, seeing, you know, I know for a fact that these were songs that really impacted people when they were children, when you see mm-hmm. a song. So what was it about this song that really stood out? Um, I mean, my dad's a massive, massive, massive Queen fan. Um, I think it goes without saying that when we grew up, um, our parents tasted music sticks to us um but this track in particular we'd often go on road trips to the highlands um 
and specifically when it got dark we would put this track on we had a cassette tape in the car uh, I think it was the album uh, It's a Kind of Magic which I actually can't say without thinking of that song um, so we'd put it on in the dark and for those who aren't familiar with the track at the beginning it's like altered and distorted voices um, which sound quite spooky so when you're in the car with your four other siblings and your parents um, in the dark driving through a forest it's kind of spooky <laughs> So that was quite prevalent throughout all our road trips and things. Um, and it's also a really good track. Um, you know, I'm, I'd like to think that, and I've always said that I'm a fan of Queen Out of Nostalgia, but I think they're a fucking great band. Yeah, no, they really are. Kind of, do you have a first musical memory? Is there something that kind of really stands out for you? Hmm. I mean, I grew up in Cumbernauld. <laughs> um, <laughs> not the most magical of places, but we, yeah, we lived there throughout my childhood until I was 10 years old. And uh, we just used to run around the living room dancing to Queen all the time. That's Queen's my only really vivid memory. When we had Springsteen, we had Bob Dylan. You know, I'm named after a Bob Dylan song, but... Um, it was always Queen um, that was present throughout my younger years. So you, um, I know you through various different things within music. We first met at a record fair in Edinburgh. We were sat oh, next yeah, to we each did. other. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and it was Deadbeat Records. Yeah. Um, and we got chatting. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you were part of a really... Um, a mad crowd of people that scared the shit out of me <laughs> and part of some of yes. those people still do scare me they, uh, still, they still scare me yeah well, there you go um but so what how did you first get into kind of diy um music totally by accident um i went to university and did creative writing i always wanted to be a writer and one day my friend laura ely she uh called me um, i was a huge fan of the band Sigur Ross at the time and they were performing at End of the Road Festival and they were looking for an artist liaison last minute free ticket you had to work all the time but I could kind of nip down and see the band so I said you know what yeah of course but I was so oblivious to the music industry that I thought that an artist liaison was you know painting the sets or something like that lo and behold I turn up to the site and I end up looking after some of my favorite bands all weekend and so I left that festival with a new kind of lease of life, realising that I could work in music in a capacity that didn't mean I had to perform because, I mean, I played piano, but I never wanted to be on stage. So I came back to Glasgow and me and my friend Connor Goldie, uh, we set up a wee label called Deadbeat Records um, where we released a series of, you know, local DIY bands uh, on vinyl. Uh, 
much to the dismay of our <laughs> uh, banks. Um, yeah, and we hosted several uh, nights across the city, um, mainly in broadcast. Um, yeah, it was a really fun time, but from there, I actually got a job in London, and that's kind of when it all really began for me. Okay. Um, we... I, uh, so I want to move on as time goes on uh, mm-hmm. onto your next song. And uh, it's, this is, I'm so, I always get so excited when people pick music that I love, obviously, naturally. Um, Laura Veers. And I mean, this song in particular, I know so many people that this is just their first pick. Why July Flame? Do you know what I must say? I find it really hard to narrow it down to one song. Laura Veers is massively important to me. I've loved her since I was 16 years old. Um, I love her first album. I love Salt Breakers. I love everything. But this song probably sums her up the most. It was also during a time where um, I think I'd really forged my own relationship with music um, and to be honest I think I was quite surprised that I'd loved her for so long because by that point I'd listened to, that was her fourth album that I'd listened to myself and had a relationship with um, which says a lot actually um, but it's a brilliant song, it's a beautiful song and she's one of my favourite musicians for sure. Were there any other... I mean, obviously, it's really hard. I know how difficult it is to to whittle it down to such a few songs. But were there any other um, musicians that you kind of were desperate to put in here, but they just missed the pick? Lots. Lots and lots. Um, Anne Briggs. She's probably my favourite folk singer of all time but just there wasn't a song that stuck out for me as such with her I just love her in general Um, Bert Jansch adore his music he's yeah I mean he's on the walls of my bedroom I love him so much Um, Sean Paul it was quite easy to ditch Sean Paul I'm afraid (laughs) I I listened to him a lot when I was at university uh, when I was getting ready to go out clubbing so um, I had to put him in the rubbish pile I'm afraid but I do love you Sean Paul (laughs) Um, you know how obviously people went through various periods of um, being part of scenes such as grunge or Britpop or techno or whatever. Was there any certain periods with, through your life that you were really kind of, you felt that was what you identified with or you thought, I'm not leaving this. This is, this is where it's at. Oh my goodness. I actually have been thinking about this a lot. Um, I mean... I would say when I initially started that label in Glasgow, I very much uh, would have associated myself with, you know, the DIY punk scene. You know, I had a buzz cut. I ran around wearing black clothes. I still kind of do. Um, but from there, I mean, I guess I've grown up, <laughs> I guess. 
Uh, I've matured a lot. I've been in London, had two very serious jobs at two big labels that have also defined my music taste. Um, I went through a big classical period. I still love all this music, mind, but um, I think now I've it's really determined that folk and guitar music is probably my favourite music in the world. Um, but then I love techno yeah. and electronic music too. So, um, But it's been really interesting to me looking back and doing this, for example, picking these tracks and seeing the timeline before me and seeing how I've transitioned from this little punk in Glasgow to uh, a granny who likes listening to folk music while walking through the mountains. Yeah, uh, It's quite a nice thing, actually. Um, and, I mean, obviously, I, I, I do... Because I think that after this is when we can kind of really talk about um, London um, and the labels that you worked with. But David Bowie, um, he's obviously such a prominent figure for so many people. And um, yeah, again, it's like his his back catalogue is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And you just um, think, where do I start? So how did you manage just to pick this song out of everything? I must say this song never stuck out for me on its own for me before until I got in the car with my nana one day. I'd bought some CDs, knowing fine well I'd be spending, I think it was a few days or so with my nana down in Lincolnshire. And uh, I stuck it on. You know, she must know who Bowie is, surely. And sure enough, I put on the, the album Hunky Dory. And uh, when this song came on, she just belted it out. And, I've, and I, it's such a fond memory of mine. And I put it on all the time around her and it never fails to make us both smile and her dance and me laugh and and, and it's, it's such a brilliant song. songs from uh, either siblings or your grandparents or whatever that that you kind of relate to them at all or you have super fond memories of? Hmm, that's quite a difficult question because both parties have been quite absent throughout my life so I didn't have the fortune of having a relationship like that um, musically, I guess. I mean, the Queen Bitch was the first song that actually... Uh, did that for me. And is that why that's such a fond memory? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Nils Fram is someone that is pretty special. And um, this song in particular, um, I don't want to obviously overtake your podcast here and your <laughs> shining moment, but uh, this song, I think if it comes to actually describing your heart bursting to someone, then this probably would be a soundtrack to it. Um, I want, obviously want to go into what we were talking about with regards to you going down to London because this is very significant, but why did you pick this song? I was living in Paris at the time, actually, um, trying to work out what to do with my life, working in a pub. Um, I think I just found his music online, actually, and... Um, 
I think, and this is massively, massively cliche, but this song and his music definitely influenced um, my life, changed my life to an extent. never really heard it in this form before with electronic music and um, I mean it's eight minutes long and I've listened to it so many times so I don't know how much of my life I've uh, listened to this song but um, yeah it kind of flung the door open to more electronic music as well I would say like I said I've grown up listening to you know pop rock and punk music and all sorts but this really kind of um, I mean also classical bearing in mind but um, from there I think it was the first moment I was like, I really know what music I like. Um, I mean, he's definitely one of my favourite musicians. Um, I mean, I was such a big fan to the extent that I got a mega bus down to Manchester to see him. Uh, ended up meeting him afterwards. Lo and behold, three years later from that moment, I ended up getting a job at his record label. <laughs> so um, quite surreal to think the transition from... Uh, Perthshire to London and what journey that had just from listening to this song so it definitely had a big impact on me. London's a a massive it's like a meteor when you go down there it is a a shock to the system both um, culturally and noise and smells and Mm -hmm. just atmospherically it is off the scale when you first went d- down to London and you started working with the the labels, well, the first one, Matador, that you started working with, I mean, and as it progressed, how did how did you feel being in that city? I mean, obviously, it is it's it's like a film. It's you know when you see someone that comes from fucking Orkney and goes <laughs> down to London and you know whatever, but how how did you cope with that move and how did you cope with work life and so on? I'll be completely honest with you and tell you I did not cope. Um, It was a really, really exciting point of my life. I look back on it and think of it fondly, actually. Um, But I found out I got the job at Matador and I moved down. I think it was two weeks after I found out I was just desperate to start. Um, ended up living in my friend's living room for a few weeks before I found a flat and it was a total whirlwind um, just again, yet another cliche just it felt like a dream it didn't feel real at all I moved from my little flat in Glasgow down to London I never ever ever anticipated living in London I never saw myself there but you know opportunities took me there and I took them up and had an 
absolutely brilliant time, but a really difficult time. Um, I guess I'd never really distinguished what anxiety what truly was before, um, and it kind of came alive um, when I was down there. So yeah, it was a really difficult time, but in terms of the job, my God, I had so much fun. Um, and I guess by the point when I moved on from Matador to Race Tapes, you know, I'd, I'd learned a bit about the business, I'd grown up a little bit, um, stepped up in my role, became a PR marketing manager, and yeah, it was Nils' label, and I ended up working on um, his album All Melody, which was, again, insane, it, just to think of me in Perthshire in the transition that I made from then. Um, yeah, what a whirlwind. What was your fondest memory of being down there, if you could pick one? People, I really miss my friends. Um, I found it quite easy to be lonely in London. I often was lonely in London, but um, my favourite memories were just being out with the people that I love. Um, Sounds so corny, actually, but it's true. Um, I miss them a lot, and it's so lovely to be able to go down there in these terms. Uh, working in music in Scotland and being able to see them and also just being able to leave. <laughs> what did you learn about yourself? I mean, because obviously that was such a transition and it was such a, a massive shift for you. Um, and, and yeah, what did you learn? I think ultimately I had a lot of lessons to learn. A lot of them I learned in London. But I guess looking back on it as well, that I am capable you know, I got jobs at two of my favourite labels and I think maybe I do deserve to give myself a little bit of a pat on the back. But yeah, I was really young. I was 21 when I moved down to London as well. Yeah, I think I had a lot of growing up to do. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. So we're going to move on to a song now that's quite a departure. Um, it's Alice Train, and I didn't know this song. You didn't know this song? No. Okay. And I love this. I always say this on podcasts. I love it when someone introduced me to something new. Um, so please pronounce the, the title because I've got a terrible thing of, of not being able to pronounce names, which is ironic when you're half Arab, <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, but yeah. Um, so it's Journey to Satchitananda. Um Well done. Thanks. I practiced a lot. I didn't really. Um, it's actually pretty easy. Um, so shamefully, I was a latecomer to Alice Coltrane. Um, you know, I listened to John Coltrane a lot. Um, David Burns label Loaka Bop reissued um, her record, uh, Turia Sangatananda. There's another hard pronunciation for you. And yeah, I completely fell in love with it. I think it came at a time in London, which refers back to our our um, earlier conversation it really helped my anxiety I would go home and hammer Alice Coltrane's records and this one in particular
It's funny because I was reading up about it. It was released in the 1970s. She had this like spiritual advisor that would visit her in her dreams called uh, Swami Satyananda. And uh, John Coltrane had just died. And she had been through a lot of grief. And this record and this song is her not only experiencing that grief, but it's about transition. And it's funny just because at that point in my time in London, I was kind of looking north and uh, hoping to move home at some point. And shortly after my big Alice Coltrane uh, phase, I moved back to Scotland. So, um, yeah, it's quite prominent for me. And uh, also Farrah Sanders plays on the record and he's fucking brilliant. So, um, yeah, it's a beautiful song. Am I allowed to ask you what it was that made you want to move back? Scotland's my home. It's my home. Um, I always knew London was temporary. I'm very glad I went down there, but um, north is always calling. Yeah. And that kind of leads us on nicely to um, your passions, which are nature and everything surrounding it, really. Mm-hmm. Um the you uh, for anyone that doesn't follow blue on social media or whatever um you uh, you always look so uh, serene whenever <laughs> on social media whenever you're in these places but you've got such a kind of a bravery uh, like trekking to these places by yourself and just sitting on mountain tops and <laughs> uh, you know camping or whatever what I mean, I I know how it feels. I do, and I think when you do have anxiety, as we both do, in in extreme forms mm-hmm. now and again, then nature is one of the only things, if the only thing, that kind of makes you feel normal. Um, so, did it? When was it that you kind of was there a particular trip or a an experience that you remember and you thought, oh my god. This is it. It's an awakening. I I just need to keep doing this. Yeah, I remember it very vividly. Um, When I first moved down to London, I didn't often get to go home purely just because of money. I couldn't afford to come back as often as I wanted to. Um, And having lived in Paris or prior to that, Glasgow, I was always kind of out and about um, and to not have that kind of release. You know, Epping Forest just didn't really cut it for me, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, so I actually did the West Highland Way um, on my own. I think that must have been about three, four years ago now, um, raising money for the NSPCC. Um, I guess I was doing that more to raise the money and for a cause that's very dear to me. Um, and it's kind of one of those things that it was an idea that kind of uh, fast forward and when I was actually starting the trail I was kind of like, what the fuck am I doing <laughs> uh, walking five days through Loch Lomond on my own um, but just had the best time I can't really explain um, what it was like to walk through those landscapes on your own having never done it before I mean I don't, I've been on walks before but n- nothing for that length of time you know I was walking 20 miles a day Um and after that, I've been I've done a long distance trail every year since. Um, it's kind of come, a, it's kind of become a bit of an addiction, I guess it's fair to say. I always kind of anticipate that coming each year. I usually do it in the summer. Um, 
but I just love seeing Scotland exploring Scotland. Um, I've done the Afric Kintel Way, I've done uh, half of the Cape Wrath Trail up to Cape Wrath Lighthouse. Um, yeah, it's a big part of my life. And you, you're you so passionate about it, but you're also, and I know you're going to hate me for this, um, but you've even, like, you're doing this podcast as part of the SMIA, um, North Rising, mm-hmm. and you are visiting places that I think it's, I think it's really important what you're doing. You're visiting these places, Orkney, um, is it Shetland? Yeah, um, yeah. And various others, but you are talking to people that are working within music in those areas. So it's almost a kind of, I know it's not truly, you know, fusing music and uh, your love of nature, but it is to a certain degree. Yeah, I mean, I guess the other element is place. Um, I love exploring all these new places and, you know, whether it's the Western Isles or the the Norse Islands. um, but I, and I think it's important to shine a light on these people, you know, while they're geographically far away. It's actually not that far away, um, but it's such a benefit for me to be able to go and visit these places, but to see music in its kind of fine form there. Scott Walker. <laughs> so it's I always get people to kind of do these chronologically, and obviously Scott Walker is, for many, uh, uh, you know, stereotypically, people would put that early on in their list. So uh, The Old Man's Back Again, and this is a beautiful song. It is just... um, And I think that for many people that think that they don't know Scott Walker, they know, they must have heard something, or, you know... If or the Walker haven't. Brothers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so why did you place this now and why this song? Because it's probably my favourite song. Um, I've played this song in my car, in my room. It doesn't matter where I am, I can always play this song and I've never, ever gotten bored of it and I've never really had that with a song. I think I get bored quite easily. But yeah, Scott Walker's one of my favourite musicians and when he passed last year, I was absolutely devastated. The shadow crossed the sky And it crushed it to the ground Just like a beast The old man's back again The old man's back again seen a woman standing in the snow she was silent as she watched them take her man teardrops burned her cheeks for she thought she'd heard the shadow had left this land the old man's back again Just gathered, their faces turned away, and they queue all day like dragons of disgust. Older women whispering, wondering just what these young hotheads. I actually discovered him probably in my early 20s, so he wasn't prominent throughout my life by any means, um, but. I've devoured his music since. 
that's got three or four or his uh, more kind of eclectic stuff with Sono. Um, I think he's fantastic and this song is just beautiful and I have a re- I'm a sucker for strings. And his voice, his voice is amazing. Most of these musicians that you've picked, do they soundtrack when you're out? Uh, you know, within nature, and you're—it's like as if I'm describing something that's alien when you're within nature. Uh, obviously, we all do. But you, you know, when you're in the outdoors and so on, and music is such a a, a constant for for many people, and they tie it in and they use it to soundtrack the most amazing experiences of their lives. When you are out in the outdoors and you're experiencing these things that make you truly happy, do these songs still soundtrack those moments? I guess when I was first kind of forging a relationship with the outdoors, um, I remember on the West Highland Way, an artist and a friend of mine, uh, he actually made a playlist uh, for me to listen to throughout uh, the, the trail. And uh, I quite often listen to it, but I think the the older I've gotten, the more and more and more I've walked in these landscapes. I just, I prefer the silence now um, and listening to the birds and the sea. Um, it's only really when I'm in the car, I guess, when I'm out in nature that I would really stick something on. But I guess that actually leads into the next trap because that's one that I would put on when I'm walking. Which is, so I've asked you to pick a song from a film. Mm-hmm. And um, so I did not expect this. <laughs> I, I got a bit of a shock. So tell us about the song. <laughs> Were you expecting Jurassic Park? Because I, I almost know. picked Jurassic Park. I, I don't know say. what I was expecting. Um, I just wasn't expecting. Oh, I don't know. I was thinking something a bit more avant-garde. Uh, but yeah, I'm this is to disappoint. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's just Bob Dylan, I'm it's, afraid. No, but I think it's just more <laughs> the fact that that you know the actual film as well. So I love a western film. Do you? Yeah. Do you like Young Guns? I don't think. No, I've not seen that one. Oh my god, you need to see Young right, Guns okay, I'm and Young go Guns too. Okay, there's two. Yeah, All and right. the second one's. It's one of those films that the sequel's better. Well, you need to watch Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Oh, I've seen that. Oh, you have seen that. Yeah. Are we into it. Yeah, no, fancied them. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Yeah, same. Into that dirty vibe. (laughs) Not washing. Dirty cowboys. Yeah. (laughs) Can it be? This was included in uh, the playlist my friend had made for me, and uh, I really like. It. I mean, it's a beautiful song, but in terms of how it's informed my walks and things, there's no lyrics. It's not. It doesn't really interrupt what I'm doing. 
yeah, this song just doesn't really disrupt those walks in any way. Um, and it's one I always play. I always go back to it, no matter what. It's a, I mean, it's generally, it's a beautiful soundtrack. The entire album's gorgeous. I want to talk about the climate change activity that you've been part of, because I, I can see how passionate you are about it. And I also know that are so invested in exploring our country and the world, then you realise how vitally important this is. Um, and and I think if you just got any fucking common sense as well, then, <laughs> you know. Uh, so yeah. please tell me, well, tell us about that and, and why this is so important to you. I'm kind of annoyed at myself I haven't gotten involved with it a lot sooner, actually, and there's certainly still more that I could be doing. Um, I'm part of a, a working group team called Music Declares Emergency and um, we're a group of uh, people in fact it's for everyone uh, it's, uh, whether it's musicians people working in music in any capacity standing together to declare a climate and ecological emergency uh, there's a declaration that you can sign on the website we've had you know Radiohead sign uh, John Hopkins um, Annie Lennox we've had a range of people uh, sign the declaration just uh, guess promising that they'll do their best to make changes. It's early days. I think it launched about a year ago. I mean, I guess uh, an important emphasis we make is while it is important that we all individually take action, you know, whether it's small things like get rid of your plastic bottles, etc. But um, it's a systemic change we need. And I guess the more voices we have alongside this, the more possible it's going to be for us to push the government to implement change um, yeah it's quite scary I think I think it's affected my anxiety a lot I must say I think about it every day um, just in the past couple of weeks I've kind of had to close the door on it just a little bit just just to kind of take it all in to be honest but um, yeah it's scary but it's amazing to work with such a amazing group of people and be able to inform this in my work with the SMIA but yeah, and if you haven't signed up to the declaration, please do, because um, we need to do what we can. And we'll include the, the links as well on our website. Um, I think that obviously um, when things are that huge, it's you're, you just don't know where to start and you want to do things more quickly than you can. And that's when the anxiety sets in because you just think... If I don't do this soon, then things are going to escape or or whatever. I guess it's about that kind of butterfly effect. And if one person does something, then it makes a massive change. And if everyone does that one little thing, then the impact is huge. You're doing a lot. And um, I think that you are uh, often quite tough on yourself as well. Um, but if you could... I mean, say you've got three wishes for the next 10 years. What are they? Net zero carbon emissions. <laughs> um, I should probably be kinder to myself, yes. Um, you know, going swimming and going out hiking isn't always going to make you feel better. So it's about finding balance with everything. Um, I'm still learning how to do that. Um, third, climb more mountains. <laughs> always thank you so much um thank, thank you, you no thank you for taking the time to pick the songs and talk to me because i know you you're my friend <laughs> and uh 
And if she says to you that she's not, then obviously then <laughs> you are my friend. <laughs> but it's um, I know how tough this is for you. Um, yeah, because you a hate the sound of your own voice, <laughs> and b you just hate talking in general. So yeah. um, this is uh, it's it's very humbling for you to do this. And no, thank you for having me. Um, you're a yes. pleasure to talk to, but Thanks. I also can't wait to go to my bedroom and lock the door <laughs> for the rest of the oh, night. That sounds. Sorry to. I'm going to keep that in. I am going to keep this in because it almost sounds as if you've had such a great experience that you need to go home to your bedroom and lock the door. <laughs> Did you mean so we'll that? end the podcast right there. Thanks for listening. <laughs>